Section fourteen of Idols of the King. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clatt. Idols of the King by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Section fourteen. Peleus and Atar. King Arthur made new knights to fill the gap left by the holy quest, and as he sat in hall at old Carleon, the high doors were softly sundered, and through these a youth, Peleus, and the sweet smell of the fields passed, and the sunshine came along with him. Make me thy knight, because I know, Sir King, all that belongs to knighthood, and I love. Such was his cry, for having heard the king had let proclaim a tournament, the prize a golden circlet and a knightly sword, full fain had Peleus for his lady won the golden circlet, for himself the sword. And there were those who knew him near the king, and promised for him, and Arthur made him knight. And this new knight, Sir Peleus of the Isles, but lately come to his inheritance, and lord of many a barren isle was he, riding at noon a day or twain before, across the forest called of Dean, to find Carleon and the king, had felt the sun beat like a strong knight on his helm, and reeled almost to falling from his horse, but saw near him a mound of even sloping side, whereon a hundred stately beeches grew, and here and there great hollies under them. But for a mile all round was open space, and fern and heath, and slowly Peleus drew to that dim day, then binding his good horse to a tree, cast himself down, and as he lay at random looking over the brown earth through that green glooming twilight of the grove, it seemed to Peleus that the fern without burnt as a living fire of emeralds, so that his eyes were dazzled looking at it. Then o'er it crossed the dimness of a cloud floating, and once the shadow of a bird flying, and then a fawn, and his eyes closed. And since he loved all maidens, but no maiden special, half awake he whispered, Where, oh where, I love thee, though I know thee not, for fair art thou, and pure as Guinevere, and I will make thee with my spear and sword as famous, O oh, my queen, my Guinevere, for I will be thine Arthur when we meet. Suddenly wakened with a sound of talk and laughter at the limit of the wood, and glancing through the hoary boles, he saw, strange as to some old prophet might have seemed, a vision hovering on a sea of fire, damsels in divers' colours like the cloud of sunset and sunrise, and all of them on horses, and the horses richly trapped breast-high in that bright line of bracken stood, and all the damsels talked confusedly, and one was pointing this way, and one that, because the way was lost. And Peleus rose, and loosed his horse, and led him to the light. There she that seemed the chief among them said, In happy time behold our pilot's star. Youth, we are damsels errant, and we ride, armed as ye see, to tilt against the knights there at Carleon. But we have lost our way. To right? To left? Straight forward? Back again? Which? Tell us quickly." Peleus gazing thought, Is Guinevere herself so beautiful? 
for large her violet eyes looked, and her bloom a rosy dawn kindled in stainless heavens, and round her limbs, mature in womanhood, and slender was her hand and small her shape, and but for those large eyes, the haunts of scorn, she might have seemed a toy to trifle with, and pass and care no more. But while he gazed, the beauty of her flesh abashed the boy, as though it were the beauty of her soul. For as the base man, judging of the good, puts his own baseness in him by default of will and nature, so did Peleus lend all the young beauty of his own soul to hers, believing her, and when she spake to him, stammered and could not make her a reply. For out of the waste islands had he come, where saving his own sisters he had known scarce any but the women of his isles, rough wives, that laughed and screamed against the gulls, makers of nets, and living from the sea. Then with a slow smile turned the lady round and looked upon her people, and as when a stone is flung into some sleeping tarn, the circle widens till it lip the marge, spread the slow smile through all her company. Three knights were there among, and they too smiled, scorning him. For the lady was Etar, and she was a great lady in her land. Again she said, O wild and of the woods, knowest thou not the fashion of our speech? Or have the heavens but given thee a fair face, lacking a tongue? O damsel, answered he, I woke from dreams, and coming out of gloom was dazzled by the sudden light, and crave pardon. But will ye to Kerlian? I go likewise. Shall I lead you to the king? Lead, then, she said, and through the woods they went. And while they rode, the meaning in his eyes, his tenderness of manner and chaste awe, his broken utterances and bashfulness, were all a burden to her, and in her heart she muttered, I have lighted on a fool, raw, yet so stale. But since her mind was bent on hearing, after trumpet blown, her name and title, Queen of Beauty, in the lists cried, and beholding him so strong, she thought that peradventure he will fight for me, and win the circlet, therefore flattered him, being so gracious, that he well-nigh deemed his wish by hers was echoed, and her knights and all her damsels too were gracious to him, for she was a great lady. And when they reached Kerlian, ere they passed to lodging, she, taking his hand, "'Oh, the strong hand!' she said. "'See, look at mine! But wilt thou fight for me and win me this fine circlet, Peleus, that I may love thee?' Then his helpless heart leapt, and he cried, "'Aye, wilt thou if I win?' "'Aye, that will I,' she answered, and she laughed, and straightly nipped the hand and flung it from her then glanced askew at those three knights of hers, till all her ladies laughed along with her. O oh, happy world! thought Peleus. All meseems are happy, I the happiest of them all. Nor slept that night for pleasure in his blood, and green woodways, and eyes among the leaves. Then, being on the morrow knighted, swear to love one only. And as he came away, the men who met him rounded on their heels and wondered after him, because his face shone like the countenance of a priest of old, against the flame about a sacrifice kindled by fire from heaven. So glad was he. Then Arthur made vast banquets, 
and strange knights from the four winds came in, and each one sat, though served with choice from air, land, stream, and sea, oft in mid-banquet measuring with his eyes his neighbour's make and might, and Peleus looked noble among the noble, for he dreamed his lady loved him, and he knew himself loved of the king, and him his new-made knight worshipped, whose lightest whisper moved him more than all the ranged reasons of the world. Then blushed and brake the morning of the jousts, and this was called the Tournament of Youth, for Arthur, loving his young knight, withheld his older and his mightier from the lists, that Peleus might obtain his lady's love according to her promise, and remain lord of the tourney. And Arthur had the jousts down in the flat field by the shore of Usk-Holden. The gilded parapets were crowned with faces, and the great tower filled with eyes up to the summit, and the trumpets blew. There all day long Sir Peleus kept the field with honour, so by that strong hand of his the sword and golden circlet were achieved. Then rang the shout his lady loved, the heat of pride and glory fired her face, her eyes sparkled, she caught the circlet from his lance, and there before the people crowned herself, so for the last time she was gracious to him. Then at Carleon for a space, her look bright for all others, cloudier on her night, lingered Etar, and seeing Peleus droop, said Guinevere, We marvel at thee much, O damsel, wearing this unsunny face to him who won thee glory. And she said, Had ye not held your Lancelot in your bower, my queen, he had not won. Whereat the queen, as one whose foot is bitten by an ant, glanced down upon her, turned, and went her way. But after, when her damsels and herself, and those three knights all set their faces home, Sir Peleus followed. She that saw him cried, Damsels, and yet I should be shamed to say it, I cannot bide Sir Baby. Keep him back among yourselves. Would rather that we had some rough old knight who knew the worldly way, albeit grislier than a bear, to ride and jest with. Take him to you, keep him off, and pamper him with pap-meat, if ye will, old milky fables of the wolf and sheep, such as the wholesome mothers tell their boys. Nay, should ye try him with a merry one to find his mettle good, and if he fly us, small matter, let him." This her damsels heard, and mindful of her small and cruel hand, they, closing round him through the journey home, acted her hest, and always from her side restrained him with all manner of device, so that he could not come to speech with her. And when she gained her castle, up sprang the bridge, down rang the grate of iron through the groove, and he was left alone in open field. These be the ways of ladies, Peleus thought, to those who love them, trials of our faith. Yea, let her prove me to the uttermost, for loyal to the uttermost am I. So made his moan, and darkness falling, sought a priory not far off, there lodged, but rose with morning every day, and moist or dry, full-armed upon his charger all day long, sat by the walls, and no one opened to him and this persistence turned her scorn to wrath. Then calling her three knights, she charged them, Out, and drive him from the walls. And out they came, 
but Peleus overthrew them as they dashed against him one by one, and these returned, but still he kept his watch beneath the wall. Thereon her wrath became a hate, and once, a week beyond, while walking on the walls with her three knights, she pointed downward. Look, he haunts me, I cannot breathe, besieges me. Down, strike him, put my hate into your strokes, and drive him from my walls. And down they went, and Peleus overthrew them one by one, and from the tower above him cried Etar, Bind him, and bring him in. He heard her voice, then let the strong hand, which had overthrown her minion knights, by those he overthrew be bounden straight, and so they brought him in. Then when he came before Etar, the sight of her rich beauty made him at one glance more bondsman in his heart than in his bonds. Yet with good cheer he spake, Behold me, lady, a prisoner, and the vassal of thy will. And if thou keep me in thy dungeon here, content am I so that I see thy face but once a day. For I have sworn my vows, and thou hast given thy promise, and I know that all these pains are trials of my faith, and that thyself, when thou hast seen me strained and sifted to the utmost, wilt at length yield me thy love, and know me for thy knight. Then she began to rail so bitterly, with all her damsels, he was stricken mute. But when she mocked his vows, and the great king, lighted on words. For pity of thine own self, peace, lady, peace! Is he not thine and mine? Thou fool! she said. I never heard his voice, but longed to break away. Unbind him now, and thrust him out of doors. For save he be fool to the midmost marrow of his bones, he'll return no more. And those, her three, laughed and unbound, and thrust him from the gate. And after this, a week beyond, again she called them, saying, There he watches yet, there like a dog before his master's door. Kicked he returns. Do ye not hate him, ye? Ye know yourselves. How can ye bide at peace, affronted with his fulsome innocence? Are ye but creatures of the board and bed, no men to strike? Fall on him all at once, and if ye slay him I reck not. If ye fail, give ye the slave mine order to be bound. Bind him as heretofore, and bring him in. It may be ye shall slay him in his bonds." She spake, and at her will they couched their spears, three against one and Gawain, passing by, bound upon solitary adventure, saw low down beneath the shadow of those towers a villainy, three to one, and through his heart the fire of honour and all noble deeds flashed, and he called, I strike upon thy side, the caitiffs. Nay, said Peleus, but forbear, he needs no aid who doth his lady's will. So Gawain, looking at the villainy done, forbore, but in his heat and eagerness trembled and quivered, as the dog, withheld a moment from the vermin that he sees before him, shivers ere he springs and kills. And Peleus overthrew them, one to three, and they rose up and bound and brought him in. Then first her anger, leaving Peleus, burned full on her knights in many an evil name of craven, weakling, and thrice-beaten hound. Yet take him, ye that scarce are fit to touch, far less to bind your victor, and thrust him out, and let who will release him from his bonds. And if he comes again, 
There she brake short, and Peleus answered, Lady, for indeed I loved you and I deemed you beautiful, I cannot brook to see your beauty marred through evil spite, and if ye love me not, I cannot bear to dream you so forsworn. I had liefer ye were worthy of my love than to be loved again of you. Farewell, and though ye kill my hope, not yet my love, vex not yourself, ye will not see me more." While thus he spake, she gazed upon the man of princely bearing, though in bonds, and thought, Why have I pushed him from me? This man loves, if love there be, yet him I loved not. Why? I deemed him fool. Yea, so. Or that in him a something, was it nobler than myself? Seemed my reproach? He is not of my kind. He could not love me, did he know me well. Nay, let him go, and quickly. And her knights laughed not, but thrust him bounden out of door. Forth sprang Gawain, and loosed him from his bonds, and flung them o'er the walls, and afterward shaking his hands as from a lazar's rag, Faith of my body, he said, and art thou not? Yea, thou art he whom late our Arthur made knight of his table, yea, and he that won the circlet. Wherefore hast thou so defamed thy brotherhood in me and all the rest, as let these caitiffs on thee work their will? And Peleus answered, O oh, their wills are hers for whom I won the circlet, and mine hers thus to be bounden, so to see her face, marred though it be with spite and mockery now, other than when I found her in the woods, and though she hath me bounden but in spite, and ought to flout me, when they bring me in, let me be bounden. I shall see her face, else must I die through mine unhappiness." And Gawain answered kindly, though in scorn, "'Why, let my lady bind me if she will, and let my lady beat me if she will. But an she send her delegate to thrall these fighting hands of mine, Christ kill me then, but I will slice him handless by the wrist, and let my lady sear the stump for him, howl as he may. But hold me for your friend. Come, ye know nothing. Here I pledge my troth, yea, by the honour of the table round, I will be leal to thee and work thy work, and tame thy jailing princess to thy hand. Lend me thine horse and arms, and I will say that I have slain thee. She will let me in to hear the manner of thy fight and fall. Then when I come within her counsels, then from prime to vespers will I chant thy praise, as prowest knight and truest lover, more than any have sung thee living till she long to have thee back in lusty life again, not to be bound, save by white bonds and warm, dearer than freedom. Wherefore now thy horse and armour, let me go, be comforted, give me three days to melt her fancy, and hope the third night hence will bring thee news of gold." Then Peleus lent his horse and all his arms, saving the goodly sword his prize, and took Gawain's, and said, Betray me not, but help. Art thou not he whom men call light of love? Ay, said Gawain, for women be so light. Then bounded forward to the castle walls, and raised a bugle hanging from his neck, and winded it, and that so musically that all the old echoes hidden in the wall rang out like hollow woods at hunting-tide. Up ran a score of damsels to the tower. Avaunt! they cried. Our lady loves thee not. But Gawain, lifting up his visor, said, Gawain am I, Gawain of Arthur's court, 
and I have slain this Peleus whom ye hate. Behold his horse and armour. Open gates, and I will make you merry. And down they ran, her damsels, crying to their lady, Lo, Peleus is dead, he told us, he that hath his horse and armour, will ye let him in? He slew him. Gawain, Gawain of the court, Sir Gawain, there he waits below the wall, blowing his bugle as who should say him nay. And so, leave given, straight on through open door rode Gawain, whom she greeted courteously. "'Dead is it so?' she asked. "'Ay, ay,' said he, and often dying cried upon your name. "'Pity on him,' she answered. "'A good knight, but never let me bide one hour at peace.' "'Ay,' thought Gawain, "'and you be fairer now, but I to your dead man have given my troth, that whom ye loathe, him will I make you love.' So those three days, aimless about the land, lost in a doubt, Peleus wandering waited, until the third night brought a moon with promise of large light on woods and ways. Hot was the night and silent, but a sound of Gawain ever coming, and this lay, which Peleus had heard sung before the queen, and seen her sadden listening, vexed his heart, and marred his rest, a worm within the rose. A rose, but one, none other rose had I. A rose, one rose, and this was wondrous fair. One rose, a rose that gladdened earth and sky. One rose, my rose, that sweetened all mine air. I cared not for the thorns, the thorns were there. One rose, a rose to gather by and by. One rose, a rose to gather and to wear. No rose but one, what other rose had I? One rose, my rose, a rose that will not die. He dies who loves it, if the worm be there. This tender rhyme, and evermore the doubt, why lingers Gawain with his golden news? So shook him that he could not rest, but rode ere midnight to her walls, and bound his horse hard by the gates. Wide open were the gates, and no watch kept, and in through these he passed, and heard but his own steps, and his own heart-beating, for nothing moved but his own self and his own shadow. Then he crossed the court, and spied not any light in hall or bower, but saw the postern portal also wide yawning, and up a slope of garden, all of roses white and red, and brambles mixed and overgrowing them, went on, and found, here too, all hushed below the mellow moon, save that one rivulet from a tiny cave came lightning downward, and so spilt itself among the roses, and was lost again. Then was he aware of three pavilions reared above the bushes, gilden-peaked. In one, red after revel, droned her lurdane knights slumbering, and their three squires across their feet. In one, their malice on the placid lip frozen by sweet sleep, four of her damsels lay, and in the third the circlet of the jousts bound on her brow were Gawain and Etar. Back as a hand that pushes through the leaf to find a nest and feels a snake he drew, back as a coward slinks from what he fears to cope with, or a traitor proven, or hound beaten, did Peleus in an utter shame creep with his shadow through the court again fingering at his sword-handle until he stood there on the castle-bridge once more, and thought, I will go back, 
and slay them where they lie. And so went back, and seeing them yet in sleep, said, Ye that so dishallow the holy sleep, your sleep is death. And drew the sword, and thought, What, slay a sleeping knight? The king hath bound and sworn me to this brotherhood. Again, alas, that ever a knight should be so false. Then turned, and so returned, and groaning laid the naked sword athwart their naked throats, there left it, and them sleeping, and she lay the circlet of her tourney round her brows, and the sword of the tourney across her throat. And forth he passed, and mounting on his horse, stared at her towers that, larger than themselves in their own darkness, thronged into the moon. Then crushed the saddle with his thighs, and clenched his hands, and maddened with himself, and moaned, Would they have risen against me in their blood at the last day? I might have answered them even before high God. O oh, towers so strong, huge, solid, would that even while I gaze the crack of earthquake shivering to your base split you, and hell burst up your harlot roofs bellowing, and charred you through and through within, black as the harlot's heart, hollow as a skull. Let the fierce east scream through your eyelet holes and whirl the dust of harlots round and round in dung and nettles. Hiss, snake! I saw him there. Let the fox bark, let the wolf yell. Who yells here in the still sweet summer night but I, I, the poor Peleus, whom she called her fool? Fool! Beast! He, she, or I? Myself most fool! Beast, too, as lacking human wit, disgraced, dishonoured, all for trial of true love. Love? We be all alike. Only the king hath made us fools and liars. O oh, noble vows! O oh, great and sane and simple race of brutes that owe no lust because they have no law! For why should I have loved her to my shame? I loathe her, as I loved her to my shame. I never loved her, I but lusted for her. Away! He dashed the rowel into his horse, and bounded forth, and vanished through the night. Then she, that felt the cold touch on her throat, awaking, knew the sword, and turned herself to Gawain. Liar! For thou hast not slain this Peleus! Here he stood, and might have slain me and thyself! and he that tells the tale says that her ever-veering fancy turned to Peleus as the one true knight on earth, and only lover, and through her love her life wasted and pined, desiring him in vain. But he by wild and way for half the night, and over hard and soft, striking the sod from out the soft, the spark from off the hard, rode till the star above the wakening sun, beside that tower where Percival was cowled, glanced from the rosy forehead of the dawn. For so the words were flashed into his heart, he knew not whence or wherefore. O sweet star, pure on the virgin forehead of the dawn! And there he would have wept, but felt his eyes harder and drier than a fountain-bed in summer. Thither came the village girls and lingered talking, and they come no more till the sweet heavens have filled it from the heights, again with living waters in the change of seasons. Hard his eyes, harder his heart seemed. But so weary were his limbs, that he, gasping, 
of Arthur's hall am I, but here, here let me rest and die. Cast himself down, and gulfed his griefs in inmost sleep. So lay, till shaken by a dream, that Gawain fired the hall of Merlin, and the morning star reeled in the smoke, break into flame and fell. He woke, and being ware of some one nigh, sent hands upon him, as to tear him, crying, False! and I held thee pure as Guinevere. But Percival stood near him, and replied, Am I but false as Guinevere is pure? Or art thou mazed with dreams? Or being one of our free-spoken table hast not heard that Lancelot—' There he checked himself and paused. Then fared it with Sir Pelleas as with one who gets a wound in battle, and the sword that made it plunges through the wound again and pricks it deeper, and he shrank and wailed, "'Is the queen false?' And Percival was mute. "'Have any of our round table held their vows?' And Percival made answer not a word. "'Is the king true?' "'The king,' said Percival. "'Why, then, let men couple at once with wolves. What, art thou mad?' But Pelias, leaping up, ran through the doors and vaulted on his horse and fled. Small pity upon his horse had he, or on himself, or any, and when he met a cripple, one that held a hand for alms, hunched as he was, and like an old dwarf-elm that turns its back upon the salt blast, the boy paused not, but overrode him, shouting, False! and false with Gawain! and so left him bruised and battered, and fled on, and hill and wood went ever streaming by him till the gloom that follows on the turning of the world darkened the common path. He twitched the reins, and made his beast that better knew it, swerve now off it and now on. But when he saw high up in heaven the hall that Merlin built, blackening against the dead green stripes of even, "'Black nest of rats!' he groaned. "'Ye build too high!' Not long thereafter from the city gates issued Sir Lancelot riding airily, warm with the gracious parting from the Queen, peace at his heart, and gazing at a star and marvelling what it was. On whom the boy, across the silent seeded meadow-grass born, clashed, and Lancelot, saying, What name hast thou that ridest here so blindly and so hard? No name, no name, he shouted. A scourge am I to lash the treasons of the table round. Yea, but thy name. I have many names, he cried. I am wrath, and shame, and hate, and evil fame, and like a poisonous wind I pass to blast and blaze the crime of Lancelot and the Queen. First over me, said Lancelot, shalt thou pass. Fight, therefore, yelled the youth, and either knight drew back a space, and when they closed at once the weary steed of Peleus floundering flung his rider, who called out from the dark field, Thou art as false as hell. Slay me, I have no sword. Then Lancelot, Yea, between thy lips, and sharp, But here I will disedge it by thy death. Slay then, he shrieked, My will is to be slain. And Lancelot, with his heel upon the fallen, Rolling his eyes a moment stood, Then spake, Rise, weakling, I am Lancelot, Say thy say. And Lancelot slowly rode his war-horse back to Camelot, 
and Sir Peleus in brief while caught his unbroken limbs from the dark field, and followed it to the city. It chanced that both break into hall together, worn and pale. There with her knights and dames was Guinevere. Full wonderingly she gazed on Lancelot so soon returned, and then on Peleus, him who had not greeted her, but cast himself down on a bench hard breathing. "'Have ye fought?' she asked of Lancelot. "'Aye, my queen,' he said. "'And hast thou overthrown him?' "'Aye, my queen.' Then she, turning to Peleus, "'O young knight, hath the great heart of knighthood in thee failed so far thou canst not bide, unfrowardly, a fall from him?' Then, for he answered not, "'Or hast thou other griefs? If I, the queen, may help them, loose thy tongue and let me know.' But Peleus lifted up an eye so fierce she quailed, and he, hissing, "'I have no sword,' sprang from the door into the dark. The queen looked hard upon her lover, he on her, and each foresaw the dolorous day to be, and all talk died, as in a grove all song beneath the shadow of some bird of prey. Then a long silence came upon the hall, and Modred thought, the time is hard at hand. End of section 14